Welcome back to the political hour. So today we're going to be talking about breaking news. We're not going to be so much politics. We're only going to get breaking news. We're not going to go into such a deep stuff that it confuses you. Because if it confuses you, it's going to confuse me. I mean, if it confuses me, it's going to confuse you. And we're not going to go into the drama in Congress or Capitol Hill. We're not going to go into that drama. That's needless drama from uh, lawmakers. So we're going to do a little historical talk. Um, today, uh, after we're done with the breaking news and everything, we're going to be talking about the Roanoke Colony, how much of a da- disaster it was. Then we're going to look at Alcatraz, not Alcatraz prison itself, but could the Alcatraz prisoners have escaped? We're going, okay, we're going to start off with breaking news. Representative Eric Swalwell drops out of 2020 Democratic primary. And after he's the one that said to Joe Biden, pass the torch, pass the torch. Everyone loved him. Well, not People thought he was kind of weird. I thought he was kind of weird, at least. He was. It was a pretty big highlight of the debate, but then he realized, why? I know I'm not going to get president. Why am I going to give up my representative position just to say I ran? So he dropped out. But Tom Steyer, the billionaire that's on your YouTube commercials, vote to impeach President Trump. That guy, he ran, and he already said he was going to pledge $100 million to his campaign of his own private donors. So that was our first segment, and uh, we'll get to the next segment in just a few seconds. And you are watching the political hour. Welcome back to the political hour. Uh, right now, we are going to be covering the death of Cameron Boyce, that young Disney star that died at the age of 20. He's about as old as my brother, just a little bit older, maybe by a few months. As old as my brother. 20 years old he did not when he went to bed he didn't know i'm the end is near the end is near he was optimistic for the future goes to sleep does not wake up the next morning this has caused for a lot of teenagers a lot of people a lot of young people that are very healthy to go out and he's taught these people to go out and find new life i i've heard from people that are just like you know what i'm gonna take a life in a new optimistic direction you know you never know if you're gonna fall asleep and if you're gonna wake up the next morning life isn't a given you know the next day isn't a given and you know these people are taking such a different outlook on life because this young 20 year old died of a seizure in his sleep and he was only 20 he didn't he thought he was gonna wake up the next morning the next day is not a given be optimistic and think and this is not the philosophy hour, I promise you that, but think, live today as if it's your last day, because tomorrow is not a given day, that's my thing, but they did come out, Cameron Boyce, the uh, ongoing medical condition that the family released in their statement, they released he was an angel, and he did have epilepsy, I predicted it was epilepsy in one of the past episodes, remembering Cameron Boyce, that episode, I mentioned it in that episode. I believed he passed away from epilepsy. I believe that was the ongoing condition. But then again, there could have been a, a brain disease that caused it, a brain tumor. But the most common answer was epilepsy. And yes, he did have epilepsy, and he passed away from a seizure in his sleep. Now, that was breaking news from his family in a new released statement released today, July... Ooh, I don't even know the date. July 10th. July 10th. I remember it now. July 10th. July 10th, 2019. He died July 6th, 2019. So three days after he died, they finally released the ongoing medical condition, which was actually 
faster than I thought it would be. I thought the family would want time to themselves to remember Cameron and everything Cameron had done to influence young lives around the world, be a big part of people's childhood. He was of mine. I remember watching Jesse on Netflix and sometimes with my friends and watching Cameron, I'd be like, he is the funniest character on the show. I loved Cameron. And when I heard of his passing, I was extremely sad. But I was surprised that the family didn't take more time to remember Cameron and everything he had accomplished in his lifetime. In his lifetime. So I'm, I'm extremely surprised that they came out with it that early. I thought it would be at least a week or two. I thought it was going to be like two weeks before they released it. But the family is strong. They remember that Cameron died knowing that he influenced lives. And maybe, maybe... God called him up saying, you have finished your journey in life, influencing all these young minds, all these young uh, children. You know, maybe he called them up. Maybe he said, it's time. You've done your part in life. It's time for you to come up. So, um, obviously, that was, that was a pretty sad, pretty sad segment. And remember, we're not doing the given segments next so next is definitely going to be the political conversation. And Alexander Acosta, Secretary of Labor Alexander Acosta, now I even commented on his Instagram, resign, resign, resign. He says, new jobs, new jobs, lowest unemployment rate, I comment. But this doesn't show that they're having a good life. Sometimes people have to get two or three jobs before they can even look at the possibility of a living wage. And the GDP is, you're only talking about affording to the rich and powerful. No one's talking about the middle class and how minimum wage isn't rising with inflation. Uh, salaries aren't rising with inflation. You know how it's extremely, extremely sad how these politicians are covering it up with inflation, with the GDP, unemployment rate, saying unemployment's never been lower. Well, yeah, but just so you know, they're not living the greatest life. Back in the 70s or the 60s, a minimum wage job you could have a minimum wage job and support your family. That's what it's supposed to be, minimum wage. $15 an hour, that's what it should be. But since the 70s, it has not risen with inflation, with the with the rate of inflation, minimum wage has not risen. And, you know, let's just do our, bang it out, our topic of the day. Minimum wage. You know, I'm reading Elizabeth Warren's book. And I'll get you the title. It's... It's a long title. I'll give you the title, but I'm reading a book by Elizabeth Warren, and she talks about minimum wage, how her mom, her dad had a heart attack, she had to go work with Sears, minimum wage, phone line. She made enough to support her, her her mom, and her dad, all of them, minimum wage job. She supported, that's what minimum wage should be, enough for you to support your family. They say these... The Republicans are saying, well, they're trying to lobby. And that's why we have to have campaign finance reform. Excuse me. So we have to have campaign finance reform because these Republicans are getting lobbied in the big businesses and corporations saying, we don't want to do this. We don't want to do this. And so the Republicans, of course, the rich and powerful, they're going after and they're saying, you know, the Republicans are saying, well, you know, we're going to lose so many jobs, there shouldn't even be a minimum wage. You know, they're going to be desperate enough to buy one, or to get a job, they're going to get paid by that company. No, the company's going to pay $2 an hour, which is definitely not a living wage. It's not China, it's not Russia. 
But they're getting lobbied into saying, no, we don't want to pay more, even though Walmart is getting $22 billion. Did you know, fun fact, the, um, the family that owns Walmart, seven people, not even enough to fill up a baseball roster, has more wealth than 40% of the nation combined. Incredible, right? And they think that it's okay to pay their, uh, to overhire, pay them minimum wage, and cost you, the American taxpayers, a total of $7 billion. That family that owns Walmart is costing you, the taxpayers, $7 billion because they're overhiring. Most of their employees can't afford it. They go on food stamps, government-run welfare programs. In total, when you walk into a Walmart, that Walmart is costing the American taxpayers a million dollars. Add it all up, it's $7 billion. Add all the companies that pay minimum wage and do this, that is $153 billion. We could find a cure for cancer, get education for all, health care for all. Imagine how much money we could do with that. That's why we have to impose that these companies that are going after, that are taking advantage of their employees like this, overhiring and all that, every single time their employees register for stamps or government-run welfare programs, they have to pay the government and the taxpayers back. That will show them that will show them that it's not okay to overhire and do all of this stuff. And it's disgusting what Walmart is doing. $7 billion, $153 billion for all the companies that are doing this. You could get health insurance for free and you're, you won't have to pay for your children's college tuition. But just because these companies want to pay their workers minimum wage so they have to get on food stamps and welfare. They're saying it would cost American Americans millions of jobs, but and it won't. You know, these reports are saying it'll cost $3 million jobs. It's not going to cost $3 million jobs. Whenever you raise minimum wage to rise with inflation, it didn't cost jobs. It gained jobs. And it's going to raise money for us. And it's, it's going to raise money for us. And we're going to get some of that money back to go for uh, public education, universal pre-K all the way up to college. We're going to get money for the health insurance. We're going to get money to help science and cure cancer. And this is per year. We got to do that. That's all just by raising the minimum wage and saying to these companies every time one of your employees registers for food stamps and they put their place of employer down as your company, you have to pay back for the food stamps and everything. So Walmart owes the American taxpayer $7 billion a year. But of course, the far right conservatives, the far, far right conservatives say there shouldn't be a minimum wage at all, which is disgusting. It's disgusting that they think that they can get away with us practically living in China and Russia with this and you know families back in the 70s when they had good solid jobs and you can't say that they can get go, go get jobs somewhere else sometimes their families couldn't afford to get education sometimes their families sometimes you know they couldn't afford to get it so or maybe they have a health pro, uh, a health condition precluding them from getting a different job a higher paying job so they have to go down and they have to work at a minimum wage job there's no safety net there it hasn't risen with inflation since the 1970s. There's no safety net there. While well, one steady, firm middle-class family is getting punched in the gut because minimum wage has not risen with inflation. And these companies are costing the taxpayers billions of dollars. The taxes for their middle class are horrible. It's only benefiting the top rich, top 10%. 
and you know it's disgusting and it needs to stop because the middle class is getting punched in the gut while the top 10%, the richest in the country, are getting a gold crown placed on their head and money shoved in their hand while the um, while the top 10% are punching the middle class in the gut. And it's not right and it is disgusting. Disgusting. So I'm sorry about that. But next it's going to go on to Alexander Acosta with the uh, Jeffrey Epstein key- case when he was a justice. They gave him a, such a weak, such a weak, um sentence such a weak sentence we'll get on to that in the next segment you are watching the political hour stay tuned welcome back to the political hour i'm your host dramatic Essek. and factual error alexander acosta the Secretary of Labor by President Trump, who doesn't believe in minimum wage. I do not like him at all. He is being criticized and telling, saying to resign. In the Jeffrey Epstein case of 2008, he was a U.S. attorney for Florida at the time of the Epstein case. And he pleaded, he got a plea deal for Epstein that resulted in 18 months in prison when he only when he also appealed it to serve 13 months in prison only and he could have served a life sentence now talk about a good lawyer but not in a good circumstance this he was uh, charged in two solicitation uh, charges in Florida that could have resulted in life in prison everyone thought he was going to get life in prison and you know as Jeffrey Epstein right now is facing uh, he is facing the uh, southern New York court system the strongest courts in the country southern New York um, as he's facing them for another trafficking in minors he is we are looking back at Alexander Acosta calling to resign because this man is basically covering up covering and protecting a man that should have gotten life in prison for solicitation in Florida two counts of solicitation in Florida too two counts of solicitation in Florida he got him 19 or 18 months when he should have served when he only served 13 when he should have served for life now he blames it on the uh he faults the state prosecutors in this he says that they were the ones that let him walk free he says facts are important and facts are being overlooked facts are being overlooked he said that that was the high or that was the um that's what the law stated that he had to that he had to give him the sentence that he had to plea him the sentence so Acosta negotiated the deal that resulted in two state solicitation charges but no federal charges so he didn't these could have been resulted in federal charges not state charges federal charges but he got him down a state level two state level solicitation um, charges and only 18 months and he thinks he does did nothing wrong. He says the law did it itself, but the law does not state that two almost federal, basically federal solicitation charges against a billionaire should not result in 18 months in prison and only let them go for 13 and then let them walk free. Alexander Costa, if you are listening, then I would like you to know 
that what you did was wrong. You should resign. You are a disgrace to the labor, to, to the country for letting a person like this walk free and then blaming it on the law of your own country. People don't like a liar. They like someone that tells the truth. If you told the truth and said, I'm extremely sorry, but this doesn't affect my job performance, we would have let you walk free. And we would have said, okay, it's fine. I, we, no one would be calling for you to resign. But since you keep denying it and saying the law did it, even though you obviously did this, Secretary Acosta, even though you obviously did this, this is why we want to call you to resign. Because you are a liar. You are a fraud, just like the rest of your cabinet. And we want you to walk away from your position right now. We want you gone. We want you out of that position. We want someone in there that actually goes for a minimum wage, that wants the middle class to thrive again so so here's the official the Dems officially demand that Acosta resign he officially asked for him to resign even but the White House is still supporting Acosta which is absolutely 100% disgusting and so on to our next segment you know what let's just fit it in it's going to be a tiny segment so you know the man the hijacker the notorious hijacker db cooper the notorious hijacker turns out that they have finally figured out that he has passed away um official so Reports, official reports claim that D.B. Cooper has died, the notorious hijacker that no one could find. They believe that he is officially dead. That he is officially dead. So next, we're just going to go on. There's not much news. I'm trying, I'm digging and trying to find anything, but nothing is coming up. That's actually interesting that the public needs to know. So, this book about Kavanaugh, I, the more I think about it, the more I think it's garbage. But I'm not going to go into that because the more I think about this book, the more lies I think it's spreading, the more confusion I think it's spreading. And honestly, I think it's just full of dirty, made-up lies, this new book about Kavanaugh. Um, so, that's really it. I mean, there's nothing else really here. But anyways, we're going to go into the colony of Roanoke. What could have really happened with Roanoke? If you don't know Roanoke, Roanoke was supposed to be the first colony, the first colony, Jamestown, 1607, I believe, Jamestown, Virginia. Um, that was supposed to that was the supposed to be the second colony. It was the first colony by the um, Virginia Company, I believe. If, I believe it was the Virginia Company. I might have been wrong. Fact, might, I don't think it's a factual error. This is off right off the top of my head. In 1607, I believe, in Jamestown, Virginia. And it was the first successful colony by John Smith. And all the... John Rolfe and everything. John Rolfe was the Pocahontas uh, husband. But, yes, John Rolfe, John Smith. Uh, John Smith. No work, no food. I believe that's what it was. No work, no food. That got the uh, aristocrats that landed in Jamestown to actually work because otherwise they wouldn't get any food. So now we're returning to the historical talk. (laughs) And uh, boy, oh boy, you don't have to stay for this. I know it can get boring, but Roanoke Colony uh, in uh, Roanoke, Virginia, where it's supposed to be. 
Um, I do believe that's where it was. I hope it was. I, I in Roanoke, Virginia, it was. They dropped everyone off. They realized they needed more supplies. So someone back to inland. But this is when the Spanish Arm, or Spanish Armada was happening. So while the Spanish Armada was happening, it took three months, I believe, three or five months, for this guy to go all the way back to England just to gain supplies to get back to Roanoke. And by the time they were there, and by the time he got there, after three or five months, everyone in Roanoke had disappeared mysteriously. So what could have happened? We're going to be looking into that with the uh, Roanoke colony. Oh, it was Roanoke, North Carolina. It would have been in current day North Carolina. I am so sorry. I'm extremely sorry. Current day North Carolina. My fact checks. In 1585, it was established. So, we will be getting right back, and I do apologize for misguiding you into the wrong belief of where the Roanoke Colony was located. So, we will be right back. Now, this, the political hour, is turning into the historical hour. So, we will be right back with the historical hour. Welcome back to the historical hour. Um, now, as you can see, we have a different transition now to, from the political hour to the historical hour. Now, today on the historical hour, we're talking about the Roanoke Colony. It was established in 1885 on Roanoke Island, in which is now Dare County, North Carolina. So, we're going to be looking into what really happened to the lost colony at Roanoke. Now, what could have happened? What are some conspiracy theories that happened at the colony of Roanoke? Now, remember, it was established in 1585. That one man went and he uh, came back with supplies, but this is during the Spanish Armada. So, obviously, during this time, he couldn't get through fast, and maybe they could have gotten killed by natives. There are a lot of conspiracy theories to think about, and there are a lot of different ideas, which we will be covering in this. So, there's been a lot of different stories about the colony at Roanoke, the Roanoke colony, as we previously stated. But, it was abandoned Okay, so it was established 1585. It was found abandoned August 18th, 1590. So no, it was not three months. It was three years. Three whole years it took for them to get from North Carolina to England and back to get supplies from the Spanish Armada because the Spanish Armada was happening at this time. So, like, as you know, okay, so, lack of supplies and bad relations with the local Native Americans. There is a theory that the Native Americans killed them off because they already had a bad uh, relationship with the Native Americans, the natives of this land. The natives of this land. And could they have been the reason why? Now... So, John White 
who was the colony's governor, arrived in July 1587. White, White's granddaughter, this is pretty interesting. The colony's gr- governor, John White, his granddaughter, Virginia Dare, was born shortly thereafter, making her the first person, first English child in the New World. As you know, the um, the New World and the, the Columbus, ex- the Columbian Exchange, Columbus Exchange, um, New World and Old World. The Old World was England, Asia, Europe. New World was the newly discovered world in South America and America. And this might not be projecting my voice too well, but. From the old world to the first English-born child, the European-born child, that's not native to be born in the New World. So, the Anglo-Spanish War, the Spanish Armada, I believe is what it was. The Spanish Armada was in the seas. Yes, 1589. Was it the English Armada? The Spanish Armada retreat, it was in 1588. So, obviously, with the Spanish Armada happening, they obviously couldn't get across in time. Three years. It wasn't three months. It was three years. Another factual error. I am extremely sorry, but this is the official historical hour. So, good thing you kept listening. So, John White. So, John White left for England in late 1587 to go get more supplies due to a lack of supplies in the Roanoke colony. But was prevented by returning to Roanoke until August of 1590 when he found that the colony was abandoned by its inhabitants or the newly new colonists in the land. So... Upon his arrival, the entire colony was missing. With the word Croatone carved into a tree, and I will spell that out for you. C-R-O-A-T-O-A-N. So, so for many years, the biggest conspiracy theory is that the colonists were massacred by the natives of that land. But no bodies were ever discovered or any archaeological evidence that the bodies were there and that they were killed by the natives of the land. So, environmental circumstances could have happened. Environmental circumstances. They could have did not know how to adapt to the environment, making them have to live with the native tribes deep into the forest, way back to where John White was not was not satisfied going back there or confident enough to go all the way back there. So, Croatan was the tribe that was there. So, So we're going to look into this. That's the most prevalent that they were killed and massacred by the tribe. This oral evidence, this is not this is not believed too much that the natives were really um that he- uh, held in a shelter with the tribes. But 
in early 1600s when he finally came back to all the way back to England they led investigations but they found remnants of the um it says here in 1590 according to wikipedia um so i've been giving most of this out of my head but to the investigation part um i do need help well i don't need help but i'm getting sources collecting sources but i there's a lot of factual evidence here that i could not memorize or know so, according to Wikipedia, in 1590, they found the remnants of the colony purely by accident, but assumed it was an outlying base of the main settlement, which they believed was in the Chesapeake Bay area, John White's intended location. So, here's some hypotheses about the hypo, no, hypotheses about the disappearances of what could have happened in the mysterious colony of Roanoke. There's integration with local tribes. So, we speculate that they could have been killed, they could have met with the tribes, and could have gotten killed. They could have gotten massacred and killed by the natives, or they could have integrated with them in their own settlements okay they could have integrated with them in their own settlements another theory remember the spanish armada is happening during the time of the roanoke colony the spanish armada is happening while the colonization of roanoke is also happening so there's another theory that the spanish destroyed this colony the spanish armada the spanish remember the war was going on that they destroyed the colony. The Spanish did destroy evidence of the French colony in Fort Childs and coastal South Carolina, and then massacred the uh, inhabitants of Fort Caroline, a French colony that was near Jacksonville, present-day Jacksonville, Florida. But it is speculated that a Spanish attack is unlikely as they were looking for a location of England's failed colony as late as 1600. Remember, this happened in 1590. 1600, 10 years after it was discovered that the colony was missing. So, they were looking for the location of the failed colony as late as 1600. So, this could be obviously ruled out. So, then I'm going to take the most of the, all the theories at the end. And I'm going to see which one is the most prevalent and which one could work. So, the other one is called the Dare Stones. From 1937 to 1941, a series of inscribed stones were discovered to have been written by Eleanor Dare, the mother of Virginia Dare. Remember, the first English-born person in the United States. The person, first person that was not native to the land, born. So... John White's daughter that told the travelings of the colonists and their deaths. But if you look with the Amelia Earhart, there have been hoaxes and hoaxes, hoaxes beyond hoaxes of fake artifacts that people float in the sea to make it seem that it is real. So obviously, historians are denying this, saying it is a fake but they believe at least one of those stones to actually be real 
It's different from the rest. And chemical analysis shows it's different from the rest. And could possibly, possibly be real. But that's only one of them. And there were several of them. So, someone could have discovered the stones and written these hoaxes about it, about Roanoke Colony. So, those are all our theories that are at least realistic enough. So, obviously we have to cross out the Spanish and the Spanish Armada deleting, or not deleting, destroying the colony. But they were looking for this colony in 1600, not 1590. Even though they had destroyed other colonies in South Carolina and Florida, present day, they still, excuse me, it could have happened, but very extremely unlikely as they were looking for the colony in 1600 when John White came back in 1590. So, the only other ones that we have a solution to are the Dare Stones and integration with Indians. The most... The one I see as the most... The, the one that I believe is real is integration with Indian tribes. I do not believe that they integrated with the Indian tribes environmentally because this has not been proven. There's no archaeological evidence to this. It, it thinks it's passed down by mouth over years and years. There's no archaeological evidence that they integrated with the Indians like that. So the only other option is that the Indians massacred them. And that's what I believe happened is that the Indians massacred the people at Roanoke. So that was our Roanoke colony. It was only about 12 minutes, I believe. So our next one is going to be Alcatraz, the escape from Alcatraz. This it might be a little short, shorter or maybe a little longer. I do not know. I haven't recorded yet, but that will be our last segment. Could they have survived? What would they, not what would they have, could they have survived? Yes or no. Thank you, and you are watching the Historical Hour. And welcome back to the Historical Hour. This is our very last segment of this episode. So, um, it's about Alcatraz. What theories could there be? How could they have survived? I am extremely sorry. There's a dog in the background. We can't get her out otherwise. She'll start barking, and that'll be even more annoying. So, if you just hear some panting, it's probably light. If it's not, I am dearly sorry, but there's a dog in the background. It's better than her barking the whole time. So, um, we're gonna, we'll get right to it. So, in a 2000 letter, 2013 letter to the FBI... If it was real, it claims that the Anglin brothers and Frank Morris survived one of the greatest escapes and one of the greatest stories ever told, the escape from Alcatraz. 1962, inmates and bank robbers Frank Morris, John, and Clarence Anglin in the morning vanished from Alcatraz prison. Over the climbed out through a ventilation system up on the roof, made these life jackets out of raincoats, made these life boats out of raincoats, and they floated off to Angel Island or wherever they went, the bay. So, and they left paper mache dummies with real head, uh, real hair to 
make the guards think that they were sleeping so they could escape throughout the night and have that much time. The raft, remember, is made of 50 raincoats. 50 raincoats. Nearly 60 years. The FBI closed its investigation, official investigation, in 1979. And here's the reason why they think they didn't escape. There have been artifacts found with John and Clarence Anglin with pictures of their family, everything in it, pictures of their family, um, documents, records, the life jackets that they use, all found and washed up a few days after. Okay, the choppy weather currents could not have could not have had them survive unless they left in a specific period of time. This big freighter supposedly saw a body in the bay near Alcatraz, but couldn't stop and reported it two weeks later when the body was already gone. So this concludes what could have happened. Could they have died? But then there's a lots of evidence. So So uh the scientists recreated these raincoats. Mythbusters recreated these raincoats and everything from Alcatraz and made the journey. They found out that they could keep on Keep it up. Keep the raft going, and they could float over. Mythbusters, all these scientists, they did these experiments. Almost all of them, I believe all of them, found out that they could have escaped past the island. This is one of the most controversial theories. So, the letter reads, My name is John Anglin. I escaped from Alcatraz in June 1962 with my brother Clarence and Frank Morris. I'm 83 years old and in bad shape. I have cancer. Yes, we all made it that night, but barely. But there's lots of evidence that suggests that the that they all made it through the island. For example, there have been no reports in the Bay Area about robberies. That they had no money, no food, no money, no robberies reported in the Bay Area. But yet again, he was very intelligent. Frank Morris was a very intelligent person. Even though he's brought up in the streets, he was a very intelligent person. Not smarts-wise, but creative, out-of-the-box thinking-wise. Way to escape prison-wise. He probably knew not to do anything in the Bay Area that could cause suspicion. Another reason to suggest is that... that oh, excuse me. In the 80s, there was a picture, of the supposed picture, of the Anglin brothers... Of the Anglin brothers in Argentina, what supposed what looked to be the Anglin brothers, but they were wearing sunglasses in Argentina, sipping margaritas or smoothies or a drink of that sort, pina coladas, whatever they're drinking in Argentina. It was Argentina that they took the pictures. And then we have evidence. The family continuously gets roses and cards from Clarence and Anglin. John and Clarence. John and Clarence Anglin. So, yes. 
they do receive roses and cards, but this could be from crazy people with hoaxes. But it could also be the real uh, real England brothers, real England twins, on his deathbed. The father of the England brothers told his sister and other brother to not worry about their brother because he was just fine and alive. This is a story from the deathbed of their father. We cannot testify to its 100% truth. But yes, this this is this is what this is what supposedly he said. But also, you can make the you can make the uh, statement the scientists know what they're doing. You have to pick someone that just barely knows what they're doing. They know how to make the boat out of the... But then, again, you can also make a statement. If they knew how to construct it out of life or out of raincoats, they definitely knew how to work it. If they built it, they know how to work it. So you can also make that one out, too. But there's another picture in Brazil of the brothers. I believe it could have been Argentina or Brazil where the first picture was taken. But another one that supposedly takes it takes a picture of them and this is 13 years after their disappearance but it does not appear to be them but yet again they are wearing sunglasses so the FBI officially closed its investigation in 1974 obviously so obviously they ended their investigation in 1974 but there's still ongoing investigations paid by the United States government and it only happens if they're found dead. It only ends if they're found dead. If they... Let me think of this. There's three reasons. If they're found dead, if they capture them and find them and put them in prison and stuff. Or, once they reach the age of 99 years old. But... So... But the question is, do we put them in prison after we find them? If we even do find them, would we put them in prison? If they've gone through civilization, if they learned from their mistakes, gone through civilization with no bank, with no bank robberies, then you can tell that Alcatraz had an effect on them that worked, a positive effect on them that works because they obviously haven't done anything bad. The question is, do we put them back in? Or did they rehabilitate in Alcatraz and learn not to do all this terrible stuff? And so the question is up to you. I honestly don't know with this. And there's a slot between 10.30, I forgot to add this, and 11 p.m. I believe, or not 10.30. Um, it would have been 10.45-ish. It, it was around 11 and 10.30. And this is the time where the waters were not as choppy as they would have been. So, the waters are definitely not as choppy. And they could have possibly, they got out of, they got off Onto the roof at about 1025, 1026. 10.30 is when the currents, 10.30 to 11 o'clock is when the currents could have died down enough for them. And 
I do believe that that's what it states. I believe, so I obviously had a little bit of trouble on this. I do have the facts in front of me, but they're kind of confusing. I do believe it was 10.30 and 11. And so basically, what we're looking at here is it's up to you. Did they survive or did they not survive? I honestly do not know yet. I mean, I've, you've always been known to know that the that they never escaped because of the currents. But obviously, they could have survived the currents if they made it through that slot of time. So, it's up to you. So, voice message me on Anchor what you believe. Could they have have escaped? Could they have not escaped? So, I'm getting the official time here. And I am extremely sorry here. I will cut it out and give you the official time here. So this has been the historical hour and I will add the time on in one second. Okay, update, I'm streaming. So it was 11.30 and midnight that they could have escaped. Now, if the prisoners set off before 11.30, the tide's strong currents would have swept the raft into the Pacific Ocean, which would have almost 100% killed them. But if it were taken after 11.30, if it were taken after 11.30, then they could have possibly survived. 11.30 and midnight. I do believe that they were on the roof at 10.30 or 10.30 through 11. That's the time frame I was thinking of. In which they all got on the roof through the ventilation system. So it remains a mystery to all of us. And uh, please join us next for the political hour. Uh, We don't know if we're going to be posting daily. Well, we will sure try. And uh, the historical hour will also be taking place. So thank you. God bless, and we'll see you in the next episode.